Hello, Net Women. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by the amazing Madeline Black. Every week, we will be bringing you our latest updates from netwomen.co and our community. We will also be chatting about stories we have found particularly newsworthy and giving our opinions on them. We have a variety of speakers joining us every single week from the Netwomen community and beyond and having conversations that we don't normally talk about. So today, Madeline is with us and she is amazing. She has an amazing personal story and I'm really excited to speak with her today because she has a story that's hopefully going to inspire and motivate us all. And she's an award-winning um, author, magazine writer, speaker, just all, all across the board, amazing woman. And I'm delighted to be talking with you, Madeline. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Pinky. Thanks for inviting me on the show. It's so exciting for you to be here today. And I'm so excited to talk to you about your story. Um, I mean, tell, tell us more, tell us, tell us more about you and how, you know, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, well, I guess my story really is one of trauma and pain, but it's also one of hope and um, resilience and strength, because I really believe in the power that comes when we share our stories, you know, that if somebody hears a story at the right time, it has the power to transform their life. So it starts really when I was 13 and I was gang raped by two American teenagers, which obviously had a huge impact on my life um, in many, many, many different ways. You know, I became suicidal, I had eating disorders, I had depression, fears, phobias, anxieties. And I have to be very clear to anyone listening, you know, I didn't get to this place where I'm at now because I do speak out about sexual violence overnight. And this has been a process it's taken many years actually to be able to find my voice and to speak out without the impact of the trauma affecting me in any way it's a, yeah it's a process to get to where I've got to today tell us more about you know you mentioned this um you know what happened to you at a very young age which I can't imagine how awful that must have been Tell us more about, you know, what you, how, how you overcame these challenges that you faced, because you talked about suicide. There's quite a lot of things that you mentioned there. Tell us more about yeah. your feelings. Well, uh, I did attempt suicide and I was put into a children's psychiatric ward for about eight months and I came out. I also was anorexic. I had an eating disorder and I put on enough weight so they let me home, but my behavior really didn't improve. I was still really rebellious because I couldn't find my voice because one of the very last things they said to me was that if I spoke about it, they would kill me. And I had looked into one of their eyes without a doubt and I knew that he was very capable of it. He, he was the one that I called the worst one. And my parents discovered I was smoking a lot of drugs. I did drugs and alcohol really to numb out and forget, to put it far out of my head completely. 
And they said it'd be a good idea if I went away. And at this point, my mum had already called all of my friends' parents to tell them exactly what we were doing. So I obviously was not the most popular person at school and I avoided going to school. So I would put on my uniform, go to the park and just smoke a few joints and go home at the end of the school day. And I went to Israel for a year and I met my husband now. So that was a few years ago, like 37 years ago. And really, it sounds corny, but it was love. Love that really helped me. And this man was the first person I, I knew instinctively that I could trust him, that he wasn't going to harm me. And over time, really with his love, I saw that my opinion of myself, which was so bad. I had no self-worth, no self-confidence, no opinion. I thought I was dirty, contaminated, disgusting, but this lovely man loved me and I would drive him mad asking him, you know, how can you be with somebody like me? You could have anyone. And he said, you know, he, he just did. He just wanted to be with me. And I saw that over time, actually I was lovable despite my image of myself. And I could learn to let love in because I'd built this huge big wall around myself and I could learn to give love out because love is always going to win over hate. And I really I guess I came up with a plan many years later after we were married because I told him originally I would never become a mum because I was terrified of the idea of giving birth because I in my head I thought I'm going to have my legs in stirrups is going to be you know men at my cervix and I, the idea just terrified me I thought it would be like being raped again to be honest and but I reversed that decision I am a proud mum of three girls and I really call it my best revenge that reversing that decision to become a mum, but I also made the decision I'm going to live my life as best as I can, just refusing to be identified by what had happened to me. And that's really what I've done. Um, you know, I thought that the motherhood was it. I thought that that had healed me, but trauma really affects us in many, many layers. And we work a layer for a long time and we think we're it. That's it. We're done. But then another layer came back. Uh, quite a few layers came back and it was really when my eldest daughter turned 13 that all of my memories returned you know all the nightmares the flashbacks the pictures and I really thought I was going bonkers I thought I was going mad because I worked for 14 years before with women's aid and I had worked at rape crisis for six years and I just thought I've absorbed all these other people's stories you know these can't possibly be from that night I remember if it was so bad but over time, I saw actually it's because it was so bad, my mind shut it all down. It didn't want to remember. And I went back to therapy again and I discovered that the way in was going to be the way out. I had to really once and for all face everything that had happened because it was my denying of all of these memories that was actually driving myself crazier than the pictures that I was being shown. And I somehow towards the end of the therapy after three years I got to a place of forgiveness um, forgiving myself initially but I chose to forgive the two young men who carried out this crime against my body and you know I have to be very clear and say I'm not a forgiveness preacher I don't tell people they have to forgive in order to move on but this really was my choice and you know forgiveness is free it is a choice it's totally self-empowering but it cut all of the chains that linked me to them and linked me to my past and it really was my key to freedom so that is a very long answer to your question there <laughs> and you shared it um with me about sharing your story 
When did you find the courage to share your story publicly? Yeah, so it was in 2014, 22nd of September. I remember the date very well. It was with an organization called the Forgiveness Project. And they, as the name suggests, are about forgiveness. And they collect stories from different people. They have over 200 stories of people that have been through pain and tough times, but they have transformed their pain into something good. You know, they've, they've chosen not to hate, not to be filled with rage, which I did for years. I was a very angry person, sarcastic person for a long time, but the forgiveness brought in a lot of peace. And they asked if they could share my story. And I said, yes, because I was tired of being ashamed, you know, for a crime committed against me. I realized for years, I'd held on to inappropriate shame. It never belonged to me. The shame was always belonged to these two men that committed the crime against me. And Marina, who is the founder said, you know, you don't need to put your name. You don't need to put your photo. You can be anonymous. And I thought, no, something in me, I don't know where it came from. Said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my face and my name. And the moment it went up, it kind of went viral. And it was so many people contacted me and said, you know, it happened to them as well from this country, from other countries, from different communities, backgrounds, ages, different beliefs. It was just incredible, and sadly, how common my story was. And it resonated with a lot of people. Yeah, and um, we at Net Women Uncut talk about things with people, and I give the option of whether you want to be anonymous or not, and we've had a mix. How do you feel about the fact that there are people out there right now who are probably desperate to share something like this, but just don't have the courage to do it? I don't expect people to do what I do. And I, 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 this is what I now do. I share stories or my story of sexual violence, really to help other people to find their voice and their courage. And I think courage is contagious. You know, it wasn't, I was never this brave. I was hearing somebody else speak and her narrative helped me to find my voice. And so that's really why I intend to pay it forward. What I would tell someone that's listening, you don't need to stand on a stage like I do or, or be on a podcast or a radio show, TV, whatever, but find someone to share your story with. Be very careful who you share your story. Trust that person. And it doesn't have to be a counsellor, it can be a friend, a hairdresser, anyone, you know, just find someone to share that story with. Because I think when we don't speak out, we hold ourselves back. And for years, I felt like part of me was in the deep freeze. And speaking out has been the very thing that saved me. And if you can't find someone else to tell your story with, tell yourself your story. You know, it was my denying it that drove my mind crazy. Write your story down. But also know that whatever happened to you was never your fault. The fault is never uh, the victim's fault. It was nothing to do with my clothes, the alcohol I drank that night. 100% of all rapes are caused by rapists and nothing else. And so I know a lot of people feel shame, but we're not helped by society because there's so much rape myths and rape culture and victim blaming culture around that we're not encouraged to share our story. So that makes me more passionate and motivated to speak out so that one day we are we can speak about the difficult things as well but yeah find someone to share your story and know the shame and the guilt doesn't belong to you at all i love that and that really you know resonates with me because 
with uh, Net Women, I eventually want to help women who've been in toxic relationships and offer them our support and coaching and mentoring. Tell us, you know, what you did, because it's almost like you have to change your mindset a little bit from that victimhood to owning your power. Um, how did you do that? I've had a lot of therapy. <laughs> you name it, I've already tried it. <laughs> and, and really it was like um, every time I had some kind of therapy, it just diluted the trauma, diluted it. And I really had to stop running from it. I had to stop avoiding it, distracting myself convincing myself that I was okay. You know, I was like a swan. Everything above was all in control, but underneath I was paddling like crazy, trying to keep up with pretense. I was trying to be the perfect mum, the perfect wife, have the perfect home, the perfect work, but actually inside of it, I was a mess. So really get real, you know, be honest with yourself and stop denying and do the work. If you do the work, do the work, the doors, will open, I don't just mean the doors externally, the doors internally. And it took me a long time to see that I'm not my body, you know, I'm not the things that were done to me because for years I, I did believe that. And it took years for me to see the shame never belonged to me. The shame always belongs to the perpetrators. And once I saw those, I realized that the real essence of me, the fire in my belly that we're all born with, they could never, ever harm that, you know, and all this work has been about uncovering the me that I was before I was raped and uncovering the me that we're all born with. So it's really about doing the work and doing the work. And I hated it because every week I would go to therapy knowing what I had to face. It was the most painful, darkest moment in my life. But something, I guess, the goodness in me always drove me to these appointments and I knew that one day it would be worth it. And for anyone listening that's struggling with therapy, just keep going, keep going. It is so worth it. One day you will look back and thank yourself and you won't even recognize the person that you've become because we have to lift it somehow. You know, we hold it not just in our mind, we hold it in our body. So it wasn't just talking therapy. It was a lot of therapeutic body work and breath work and walking on fire and sweat lodges and taking um, transformational breath work, taking um, different kind of plant medicine, so many different therapies. But find what works for you. And there's going to be something out there that will work for you. And, and just uh, go for it. For me, it really was about landing back in my body because on that night I left my body you know I was totally had an out-of-body experience which kind of paradoxically is what saved me kept me alive but it also kept me not grounded for years so my journey has been about getting back into my body and getting my memories back even though once I got them back I didn't like them <laughs> but that's really I had this missing gaps for years I didn't know lots of stuff and there's still stuff now around that age, even childhood memories, nothing to do with the trauma that I can't recall. But yeah, keep grounded, keep balanced. And your mind isn't always your friend, you know, really work with someone when you have these um, thoughts that aren't helping you. Yeah, um, that is great advice. I second that. Um, and I 100% believe in coaching, therapy, counseling, 
whatever you want to call it. It's whatever works for you. And I remember after my divorce and after being in a toxic relationship, having had the coaching and the counseling that I had, I don't think I'd be where I am today if I had not have had that. Because part of the work that I did was a healing journey. And when you talk about out-of-body experience, I think many women who have been in toxic, traumatic relationships will completely resonate with that. I understand exactly what you mean by that. And I'm sure there are many listeners out there who be listening to what you've just said and completely understand what you mean by that. Um, tell us more about um, the way that you have changed things around. And I noticed that you've got a, a book in the background, a memoir, Unbroken. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I decided for myself I was going to write my story down. I was advised by a teacher that I went to. I, I worked with a shaman for many, many years. I still work with him. And he knew my story. And he said, it'd be really helpful if you wrote your story down. I'm like, no way. There's no way you will read it or anyone else. And this process would work on me. And it literally took me four years to write 12 pages. I would stop and start it. And the shame would just come rushing up. I was so ashamed of anybody found out you know that they would look at me differently they wouldn't want to know me they would be disgusted by what I had to tell them but I did I finally wrote it and I told Imaho this man and he said great and he, and he wanted to use it in one of his workshops and I said oh I don't know it's one thing you reading it let alone a few hundred people hearing my story and he said no it's going to be really good for them for them to see you can go through some really awful stuff but you can walk it out you can come out and have a, a good heart, you know, have forgiveness and have a great life. So I said, okay. And when he was at the seminar, it was in Teufen in Switzerland, I had a sense of my words flying around in the air. And I thought, oh my gosh, he's let them read what I had written. And he confirmed later that he had. I thought, I'm never ever going to be able to face anyone again. I was so ashamed. But I did. I went back to another workshop, which was then in Cork in Ireland. And it runs over four days and he told people, you know, to give me some space, not to speak to her about it. So at first people avoided me, which was even worse. I walked into the room, they all looked down at their feet. But after a few days, people started to share their story with me and told me how much it had helped them. And I just got this idea after hearing somebody from the Forgiveness Project speech, it was actually up in Glasgow, an amazing woman called Marion Partington, who wrote a beautiful book called If You Sit Very Still, her sister Lucy Partington was murdered by Rose and Fred West, the serial killers. And her book is also her journey and one of forgiveness. And when I heard her speak, I just saw the peace that emanated from her, but the impact her words had on other people. And I bought her book that night and inside she wrote, now you must speak. And I thought, yeah, I, I could share my story. And I thought, where did that come from? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to share my story. And then I thought, you know, I could write my story down and very much how it happened with Imaho, my hand went into automatic and these 12 pages literally flew out of my fingertips. I thought, I'm gonna write my story down for me. And it literally took me about six or eight weeks and I would see all the words at night flying around and I'd kind of pluck them out of the air, sit down at my Mac when the house was quiet, which was difficult with three kids. And the words literally, I just felt like I was a typewriter. They kind of came from somewhere. And before I knew it, I had 70,000 words. And I was very lucky because I know a lot of authors now 
Um, and it only took me about three, four months to find a publisher. So I was incredibly lucky. So it was published nearly four years ago, be four years this year in April. And it's now an audio book, which is great. And I think this month it's going to be translated into Italian. So, yeah, it's been very interesting uh, writing it all down. And actually it was very cathartic putting down all the details, which we had a lot of uh, discussions with my publisher, whether I should be so graphic. And I just thought, you know, why should I make it easier for people to digest it? This is what happened. If I, if I make it easier for people to read, then we're still brushing it under the carpet. People need to know they, they, they should be disturbed. It is disturbing what takes place every day on our planet to a man, a woman, a child, somewhere, someone is being abused or raped. So I just thought, I wasn't going to include the details to start, but I just thought, no, I, I need to put the details in. So my publishers agreed, but it comes with a warning, that chapter, that if you read this chapter, it's called All of One Night, you will get all the details. But it's like now it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to someone else that was 13. And as I know, my story is just a story of many, many people. My story is many people's stories. So it, it was really good for me to write it, but it's good for other people to read that you can have an awful experience which can impact on you for years, but you can come out of it. And that's really what I want it to be about, about hope. And it's not a self-help guide, it's just the way that I did it. There's many paths to healing, but yeah, it's about hope that we can heal, we can have a great life. We're not what happens to us, any of our events, whatever your trauma is, none of us are our events in life. Yeah, I love that. And I love the fact that you, have in fact started a Me Too movement with what you've done because there are so many women who, like you say, have been through what you've been through in varying degrees um, and just one person such as yourself just sh sharing this story and your story has helped other women um, share theirs, which is so important. Absolutely. I worked as a psychotherapist for many years, but once I shared my story, I was asked to speak more and more. So I put my energy into speaking. And one of the first international events that I went to was in the Maldives, which is obviously very tough. But it, I was sponsored by UNICEF. And people think it's wonderful. It's a beautiful tropical islands, but there's so much abuse. The women there have such a hard life. Um, and I, I would never do it, but after I had spoken, there was a question and answer panel, and one member of the audience said, if anyone here has ever been raped or abused, please stand up, which I would never encourage anyone to do, but she did, and that was fine, that was her choice. I would say about 95% of the room stood up, and they said now that I created a little mini two movement in the Maldives, women, there's no, there's no support, there's no women's aid, there's no rape crisis, there's hardly any counselling, but women now are sharing their stories with other women, so it's that, apart from obviously going to the Maldives, but that just really <laughs> spoke to my heart that we can just connect with people by sharing a story. How empowering now is that for all those women over there that have found their voice and they are beginning to speak out and make changes there for other women. So that's really what motivates me. That's why I do it. I love that. Um, and to finish off, I wanted to, just for our listeners, um, what advice would you give to the listeners? I would say that it's, you know, never too late to find your voice. I have been 
very lucky. I've been interviewed by amazing people. One of them was Sir Trevor MacDonald for BBC Radio 4. And my friend's mum had been listening into the show. And to cut a long story short, she told her daughter she had also been raped as a teenager. She was 81, my friend's mum, and she broke 64 years of silence. And I just think of her every time I'm asked to speak, or you always <laughs> makes me a bit emotional. And I just think, you know, my friend said she would have taken her story to the grave if she hadn't heard me that radio. She's very sure, but she said the way she's changed is incredible. Her energy's lifted, she's more joyful. She sees a huge change in her. And I just think it's never, ever, ever too late to find your voice. If she can do it, you can do it too. I love that. That gave me a chill when you said that. <laughs> and finally, what advice would you give your younger self? I love this question advice well I would definitely go back and tell her it was never her fault and I would tell her to find your voice earlier on if you can then you did but I also I don't like to look back and have regrets because it was the path it was that was the healing journey I took and I didn't know then what I know now you know I can't take that back with me but I would really want to tell her that it was never her fault because the guilt and the shame just uh, yeah that was hard yeah that is tough. How do the listeners find out more about you? Where can we find you? Oh, well, yeah, I have a website, madelineblack.co.uk. I'm on all the social medias. I also have my own podcast show, which I started in lockdown because my speaking of diary just dried up. So it's also called Unbroken, the podcast with Madeline Black. And, and I speak to people that have overcome adversity and are thriving. So they're incredible stories. Amazing. Thank you so much, Madeline. I loved every minute of it. Thank you so much for sharing your story and the impact you're having, not only in the UK, but in the world as well. That's our episode done. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate your support. Email us if you'd like to feature or if you just have any ideas at all at hello at netwomen.co. That's .co, not co.uk. You can let us know what you think. Leave a review, share and tweet us at NetWomenCo and find us on Instagram and Facebook just by searching NetWomen. Also head to our website for our latest blogs and updates at netwomen.co. Thank you for listening. Bye.